Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It's Simple Really, a podcast where we break down complicated things in life and um, provide an opinion on them. Let's put it that way. Now, today's subject, and uh, as you saw from the name of this actual title, is WTF. So I would love to be able to tell you that, in fact, we were able to break this down in such easy terms that everyone could follow follow along and uh, understand what we're talking about. But this one is not simple, really. So what am I talking about? Well, last week, I had a chance of listening to a podcast. And that podcast was into continuation with another show that I watched on TV. Both of those were focused on how society behaves today. And what does society hold in its value basket? And what does society choose to regard as virtuous versus detrimental? Now, the interesting thing is conclusions in both the show and the podcast were grim. Essentially, society is very quickly evolving towards dystopia. And dystopia brought about by nothing you, you would not believe what it's been brought by. It's mostly brought by the freedom of speech. It's like, oh, oh my God, I hear gasps in the audience. I certainly see the expression on Greg's uh, face. But the question is, what do you mean by that? Well, think about social media. I'll give you an example. Um, one, of the, um, one of the universities in the United States made an experiment. What they've done is they've used artificial intelligence and created a fake account. And that fake account um, was posting random things. And as it was posting, it was getting responses. And then they allowed this account to traverse the world of Twitter and find out what people think about, talk about, and what's trending. The sobering fact was that within 24 hours, that fake account that AI became the most bigoted, racist, misogynistic, hateful channel that you can even ever imagine. This is what artificial intelligence took up from the most salient topics that human beings are talking about. And I can give you more and more examples about the fact that when we communicate freely, and especially when we're not face-to-face, it seems we allow ourselves as human beings to show the worst side of ourselves, not the best. And this is the same thing that podcast, and the the podcast I'm referring to is Joe Rogan's podcast, episode number, um, oh gosh, I do not remember. But trust me, it's one one of the latest ones, and today is November 2021. They're talking about the same thing. Because the problem, the problem uh, can be defined as what do you do about this? And the answer really is, well, you can have the government step in and tell the communities what they can and cannot be doing. Or alternatively, you can have the ability for people to express themselves freely as you would expect 
any democratic society to do. And surprisingly, both paths lead to disaster. If you follow the first one, you're essentially becoming uh, like the many autocratic societies that exist today. If you follow the other one, you basically create a multitude of those AI bots who spew garbage all over the web. Do you know who holds the most power on social platforms? It's the so-called influencers. These people do not generate any content that's meaningful. These people do not generate any ideas. They don't talk about anything of significance, but they are very good at portraying feelings, emotions, products. So there's little value in that, but this is where media is headed. Now, the reason we wanted to talk about this is that uh, it creates, in my opinion, a sure path to dumbing down of society. And Greg's looking at me, he's like, where are you going with this? This is way, way out there. Now, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the first one to say that I don't have any solutions. I'm just stating the problem, but the problem seems immense. Another thing is uh, what's happening right now within society in general in the world. Now, most, most countries across the world uh, appear to be heading down, down the path of regulating their people's ability to move, um, participate in society, uh, depending on their medical status, which is odd because it hasn't even been 100 years since one country, specifically Germany, tried the very same thing with their populace and failed miserably. We know that failure as World War II. So how is it that in less than a hundred years, we as cumulative societies now across the globe are believing that that course of action is a good one? And, and that, that actually depresses me. It, it, it brings me to a sad state of realization that where are my children gonna grow up? Where are their children? What, what kind of community are they gonna grow up in? And I asked the same question of Greg, and I was like, Greg, am I being too dark about this? Am I not seeing things for what they are? Maybe I'm approaching this differently. Greg, what did you say? I don't remember what I said, but oh, that's, I'll, a good, uh, that's a good point. I'll just, I'll just come up with what I think now, which is, um, I, I don't know, as I think about it now, I think, you know, we're probably not thinking about it in dark enough terms kind of collectively, because otherwise this wouldn't be happening. Like, it's, I think that's the most shocking part of it for me is that, like you said, with, with such a recent example in our history, it's shocking that more people aren't alarmed or raising, I mean, the, there's certainly portions of society that are protesting or, or resisting, um, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, it, it is surprising and, and maybe it's not so surprising when you think about just how methodical and um, kind of piecemeal they take it, right? Like they, cause they make you only move a little bit and then they move the goalposts and make you move a little bit more. And before you know it, you've gone to a place that, you know, you never would have thought, I mean, yeah. you know, well, th this started off with two weeks to stop the spread. And now we're uh, segregating large portions of our society from being able to participate in eating in restaurants. <laughs> or going to a hockey game or 
you know, whatever, uh, whatever else. It's kind of crazy. Is, yeah, this is the most striking example. You actually, you actually, you're right. It's the it's the gradual approach to training us as, as humans to behave in a certain way that has been very, very successful. Yeah. And um, two things come to mind because I personally remember, not vividly, but I do remember the same situation in my home country where there was, uh, there was the Soviet Communist Party. Party has a line and everyone walks that line and believes in the narrative that the company provides. It was status quo. And I was born into that system, so I didn't know any better. And I followed it just like everyone else. And there was no, there were no problems. Just told the line and everything's fine. Everybody who didn't told the line disappeared. They just didn't exist. They wouldn't have jobs. They wouldn't have, I mean, in the in the days of good man Stalin, he would have those people killed. That's that's the simplest. No person, no problem. That's kind of the literal translation of an old Soviet saying. Um, but the Western society where we enjoy uh, our livelihoods today, throughout that period of time, always used to laugh and point fingers at Soviet Union. Yeah. So how is it that, so tell me, Greg, like in your opinion, how is it that... Um, because, sorry, I'm going to ask you a question because I am about to go down a rabbit hole, which I do not want to proceed if I'm completely off base. Because the question I have for you is, is it possible that so many countries, and we're talking about all of Western world and some of the, uh, let's say, developing countries in the world, who are never in the history of our modern society, never were able to agree on a single goddamn topic were all of a sudden in a span of less than three months. And this is, I'm talking about the period between March and May of 2020 were able to coordinate their actions to the point that everyone did exactly the same thing in exactly the same time frame and continued to do that throughout the next almost 20 months. Yeah. Now, am I am I overstating this? Am I exaggerating? Is this just is this just um, uh, like another friend of mine would say? Well, Vadim, what would you expect as a reaction to the severe um, illness that's plaguing the world? Like, yeah. what would you expect? Would would anyone act any differently? Well, I think that the, the interesting part for me is that twenty months ago, the fear level was at the highest because it was such an unknown and it was supposedly like a huge mortality rate mm -hmm. and we have to take extreme action or you know i don't know what the number what they were saying the number was going to be 10 percent or god forbid higher whatever but it was going to be a huge number yeah and i think and that's you know like you said it, it's like the, we couldn't come together on world peace, but somehow we can come together on COVID lockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> um, well put, well put, sir. But uh, but now it's it's funny because like you don't hear at least here in the the media I, I watch, you don't hear the say you still hear about cases and stuff, but you don't hear about death rates. You don't hear about the R0, severity, but, which is the transmission rate. But it it you know it it's um. It's a bit of a bait and switch. They still, they're still trying to magnify that fear, 
but to your point too, like the, the censorship of information, there's studies that get swept under the rug. Um, I don't know. And it's funny because even, I mean, I watch a lot of us media yep. where that country is very polarized and there's kind of a 50, 50 split. And depending on who's in power, that's kind of the direction they go. Yeah. But, but, and that's kind of collectively, but even within that, because of this, there's um, different governments in different states there, you have states like Florida and Texas that are on a completely different program than uh, New York and Michigan and, and California. So yeah. even within one country, you got polar opposite approaches to things. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's mind boggling. It's, and it's mind boggling how quickly people like, like this fear of like, it used to be like, um, you know, I'd rather the, the, you know, what's the line? There's a song I like, uh, I'd rather uh, die upon my feet than live upon my knees, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, f- people used to fight to the death for freedom. Like that was a, I mean, it's in our anthems, it's in our ideology of our society. Yet people are like, you know, I'm giving up my freedom and I'm going to berate anybody who's not giving up their freedom because they're putting me at risk somehow. And see, and that's, that's, that's actually a very, very, very good salient point. It's, um, we were able to come to a point in uh, where we are as a group of people that we complain about others being a threat to us when we can't justify that threat, but we, but we, we choose to complain. Um, and this, and that in, in, in itself creates a dynamic where it gives more ammunition to the press, the media, um, the politicians um, to justify what they're doing and to proceed with what they're doing and actually amp up the fear tactics, the communication. We have politicians dictating medical policy. Yeah. Remember, these people who dictate medical policy they claim to be taking advice from doctors, which I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. But somehow they believe that uh, a one, like said, let's say a one-sided approach to the stats is all it takes to impact will on the whole population. And um, I'm not just going to talk about this in random terms. I'll give you a very specific example about First of all, the power of politicians and how they transfer that power onto media and social platforms and what happens when that power hits those platforms. Because calls for censorship and uh, calls for selective use of information have been, we're, we're being told that they have been very loud and the politicians are listening to those loud voices and taking a stand and making platforms like Google, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and whatnot, make sure that they, um, how, what's, what's the proper term? It's impose their community guidelines. Hmm. That's, that's, the, that's the official line translated into plain English censor the hell out of everyone who's who has a dissenting opinion yeah by the way yeah dissidents were never allowed in the soviet union as well by the way yeah um so what here's an interesting story 
there are people, my wife is one of those people, who um, dedicated themselves to the world of holistic medicine, not uh, allopathic, but naturopathic medicine. So looking at the human body as a very complex system and focusing on prevention rather than treating the, sim the symptoms as they arise. About 18 months ago, many of those practitioners in Canada began feeling the pinch mm -hmm. because most of those practitioners could not practice in person. So they transformed their practices and brought them online. They created groups, they created following, they created videos, uh, images, whatnot. They had the whole campaigns like that. And the first stage, they all of a sudden started seeing that interaction with their posts started dropping from, let's say 600 people liking a post to six people liking a post. Okay, now that didn't only go for practitioners, that also went from companies who would produce certain remedies. The next step was they started seeing um, warnings come up against some of the posts that they were making, especially if they were to use words like immunity or even vitamin D. Yeah. The third stage became when they were um, being prohibited or put in what's called, what's known in the industry as a Facebook jail is when essentially your, your rights of posting, moderating, responding are taken away. And finally, it got to the point where they were just deplatformed, which means you lose your channel, you can lose your group, doesn't matter how many followers you had there. And um, that was the end of it. And this was not Canada specific. This is Canada, US, Europe, across the board. There was a nice video put together of, uh, of people losing groups of in excess of two, three million people who used to follow that particular practitioner and they were just gone. They were just vanished. And it got to such a bad state of, for this industry in Canada that the school that teaches and provides the designation of a registered holistic nutritionist had to put on a seminar to explain that, no, you are not crazy. And yes, you cannot use certain hashtags because yeah. you risk being disappeared. Exactly. Virtual disappearing. <laughs> Virtual disappearing. And that's, and since most of our lives and communication exist in the social uh, world, it's akin to being, um, to shutting down somebody's store. Yeah. So that's what's happening today. And this is what, this was one of the reasons that made me go like, what the fuck? Yeah. What is happening in Canada, of all places, in the United States? Like you said, anthems, flags, all of rhetoric has always been focused about freedom. And what's more important, where did tolerance go? Yeah. Why did all of a sudden... Yeah, so I'm 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 quite I'm quite perplexed, and this, like I said in the beginning, despite the fact that this uh, podcast is called "It's Simple," really, this is one of the least simple things. Uh, what would you say about that story, sir? Yeah, I, well, it's shocking. I mean, it's it truly is shocking. Well, I'll put more um, oil or gas on the fire to make it burn even brighter. Because uh, here's the interesting thing. Um, if you think about the fact that social platforms are guided by um, 
they, they basically cater to a basic, most basic and rudimentary emotions. Something that scares us, so fear, something that delights us, so something uh, flashy. And they take that and they optimize what people see according to those two factors. And the more basic uh, and the more impressive an event, a note, a picture is, the more views it's gonna get because it's gonna make people have their eyes on the platform. In fact, the Netflix and Facebook founders both commented that they don't really have competition. Their biggest competition is sleep. Those are the only hours that they cannot get you. Otherwise, they're fully vying for 100% of your attention. Mm. So if you think about that, and then you think about the modern media or press. Remember how journalists used to be doing research articles and digging into very, very complicated issues and then writing exposés? Well, no one, at least no one in the younger generation reads newspapers anymore. The way they consume news channels, newspapers, magazines is through snippets of information that they see on social media. And once they see that, that may take their attention and then they read something on the actual newspaper's website. So if you take this position and what I just said before about the fact that people only click and have patience for something that's snazzy, snappy, or scary as hell. Yeah. Guess what kind of articles you can expect from newspapers for them to justify their existence, for them to justify that they have audience big enough for an advertiser to consider. They also gravitate to this approach. They also gravitate to that mindless scare tactics and um, clickbait headlines. Yeah. And this is terrible because journalism is decreasing. So it's pretty much, de- I mean, it's every percentage wise, like, you know, you might have 5% journalism content, if that, and 95% commentary. Yeah. So it's not even like, like news isn't even news anymore. News is just commentary. And it's. That's right. So let me, let me, let me round up that. Uh, let, me, let me finish uh, emptying my. Sure imaginary gas container onto the flame. So what you have is you have algorithms that shape the way we view the world. We have news outlets that stopped creating any polarized opinions because one, they're censorship. So they can't talk about the thing that they can't talk about. And the only thing they can talk about needs to be as dramatic as they can make it. And three, there's also a very strong advent of AI generated content. And if you watched any of our episodes where we, uh, Greg and I were using some of those tools that are freely available to write content on subjects that we had no knowledge of, mm-hmm. you would have been amazed just like we were as to how good that content can be. Um, so then you have a perfect trifecta for society that actually doesn't know what truth is because the only truth that they see on social networks is something that grabs their attention. What grabs their attention is usually insignificant and they never go into the details and that shapes their perception of the world around them. And besides, some of that content is not even human generated. Yeah. By the way, fun fact, also taken, uh, picked up from the Joe Rogan podcast, which I strongly recommend you listen to. Facebook takes down 2 million 
yeah, I think 2 million um, bot accounts a quarter. Wow. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot of content responses, engagement generated by not, no more than a machine. Yeah. So with that in mind, I asked the question, what the fuck is like, what is happening? <laughs> and and what, what, what do we expect to come out of this? Yeah. Because I know a lot of... Um, a lot of colleagues and friends, uh, they don't ask that question. In fact, if you complied with the medical regulations, you believe that everything is fine. And we just, I mean, might slight inconvenience, but we, we move on. And I mean, you have to comply. I mean, even from, for me, in order for me to work, I have to comply with the regulations. Yeah. So my, of course, there's a question now. What do you want to do? Do you want to stand up against the regime or do you would just, just want to comply? It's a tough question if you ask anyone. It's a very tough question. And no one asks the precursor to that question. Why should that question even exist? Anyway, so I went, I went on a bit of a rant, but um, when we watched, uh, or at least when I watched in the, what was it, early 80s that Terminator came out? so or was it late 80s anyway sometime in the 80s the movie the terminator came out and arnold schwarzenegger was that big massive machine that destroyed everything in its path that's what people think about when they think about oh that's artificial intelligence oh my god that's the rise of skynet self-aware we're actually not far away from that story mm. because uh for example in china they're putting a lot of effort into um, using AI to manage, and I use the word loosely, manage society. And we have platforms like Google that know more about us than we know about us. And like any good magician, and again, I'm lifting stuff from Joe Rogan's podcast to make sure that I don't get sued for saying this, but I like the analogy. Um, his guest, um, Tristan Harris, said that a magician knows more about how your mind thinks than you do. And that's what makes magic impressive. Yeah. So in much the same way, computers know more about how you're likely to behave than you do. And all of those things combined lead us to a very mindless um, existence. And I know that you and I, Greg, talked about complete opposites uh, in our previous conversations about how mindful and in the moment, existence is more beneficial. Yeah. It's, it's unsettling. Let's put it this way. Yeah. What do you, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question because I, I want to get off the soapbox because one, I have no solutions. I just, I'm just uh, using this as fear porn. But let me ask you this question. What would have to change for um, the next generation to see this reality for what it is? Hmm. Would it take a war? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the question is like, how, how far can you go before people say it's enough? And I mean, in some parts of the world, that's already happening. Yes, um, most parts of the world. Despite the fact that you probably never see it on mainstream yeah. 
But was it was it Austria just had some riots and or protests or whatever you you want to call um, it? Austria, Slovakia, uh, Netherlands, France, yeah. UK, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. I was, I was reading an article about Netherlands, which is like, I mean, having been there multiple once or twice and knowing that working with people <laughs> from there, it's like the nicest Definitely. part of the world you could ever go to, right? Like it's a yeah. Um, so you know if you if you've you know you're you're on a bad path when you've made the the folks of the Netherlands mad. <laughs> That's true. Um, so it's uh, yeah. I, I, None I of that changes the course. Yeah. I mean, there's there's going to be a breaking point at some point. You just hope that it's not past the point of no return. Well. I actually uh, there's 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 a, there's a part of me that wishes that 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 exact that's exactly what happens. I, I'm 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 not wishing for any um, armed conflict or civil war, God forbid. But you know what? I sometimes wish because um, we're overdue for an intense solar solar storm, yeah. a solar storm with uh, that can generate enough energy to take out our grid system. Yeah. And since everything is tied into electricity, and if you pull the plug on everything, that kind of resets the way the world works. Yeah. Because remember, the world right now is, we, we just talked about so many countries, but how do we know what's going on in those countries? Well, somebody tells us. You see it on your screen, of your computer screen, most of the time, your phone. Maybe if you're watching TV, maybe on TV. Take it away for a second. And what do you know about the world? What do you really know about what's happening on the other side of the globe? Yeah. So maybe, question. maybe, maybe, maybe that's the reset that we need. Yeah. But then, but then it, it throws society into chaos because uh, through again modern advancements, one of the one of the other flaws that we've developed is we've completely disconnected ourselves from um, a means of sustaining us. I remember my grandma. She used to, she used to almost work every day on her little plot of land, and she had yeah. a proper garden. And she would, um, she would grow different things, vegetables, fruits, um, um, herbs, and then she would marinate them. She would um, pickle them. She could sustain herself throughout winter. Yeah. She had potatoes there. Yeah, she had a cellar. Everything. Now. Let's go back to somebody living in a condo in downtown Toronto. How, how is a person supposed to sustain themselves living in a downtown Toronto condo? Call Uber Eats. <laughs> Precisely. Where does the, the best question is where does food come from? And the most important answer to that question is from the fridge. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you just connected the dots to your dystopian future. Yeah, but if you take if you take that scenario further, unfortunately, see the thing is, Greg. The reason I wanted to have this chat, and then maybe somebody will listen to this, and maybe we get some comments because I would love for somebody to tell me that I am completely off base, and here are the reasons why. Oh, by the way, don't just tell me I'm off base because there's plenty of people standing in line to do that. I need reasons why I'm off base, because if you think about killing electricity. Imagine, imagine, let's 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 stay with the example of Toronto. You kill electricity to a massive um, 
metropolis such as this. And this is not even the biggest city. Like Moscow has 14 million people in just yeah. one city. We're lucky to get away with what? 2.1, 2.2? Okay, 3.5. Let's let's call it 3.7 for all of GTA. You kill the power. Sanitation doesn't work. Gas pumps run out of juice as soon as electricity goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, no refineries work. There's no heat. Electricity goes out. Food goes bad. Stores run out of food. It's chaos. How quickly, how quickly will society go into complete and utter disarray in that scenario? Yeah. Well, I mean, we get we get uh, glimpses of it, glimpses of it when there's like hurricanes and things in parts of the country. Yeah. The, the you know the, the other parts that aren't affected step up and help those precisely people out. But yeah, if it's uh, if it's widespread and you're, I don't know. Yeah. It's a scary. Well, somebody, thing. somebody might point to remember. Uh, so back in the early two thousands, there was a blackout in yeah. the Northeastern part and it affected Toronto. Yeah. That's how I ended up with a daughter. Good for you. Good for you. At, least, at least some good came out of that. At least some good came out of that. That's right. But at the, same, at the same time, I remember vividly living in a condo and all of our stuff was going to waste. And um, there, was, um, there was a particular moment in time when I went downstairs when everything was beginning to get hectic because hell, you couldn't even get, you, you couldn't even get a radio transmission because they were running on backup power and they were, like, they were rationing what they were doing. The radio stations were. Yeah. And this is pre-iPhones. Yeah. This is pre-mass uh, adoption of Facebook and whatnot. So radio and TV is what you would turn to. TVs are done. Yeah. Radio's spotty. And I remember going downstairs, and I used to live on the uh, on an intersection of Bloor West and Dundas, Dundas West. And there was a man standing in the intersection, and it was warm. It's a hot, sunny day. And he was using his hands to direct traffic because guess what? Traffic lights don't work. Yeah. everything coming to a standstill and um in a, in a he was there he was there for hours and people just kept bringing him water bottles because he was exhausted yeah. and that was interesting because he was trying to save society from itself by being a good samaritan but if that extent if that blackout extended into weeks god forbid a month yeah. what would happen to us so that's every everywhere everywhere i slice and dice it everything runs it's the way the way it should be we're going to get um artificial intelligence that's going to be smarter than us and we can't even tell how we're doing it and and at the same time we're cheering on that development i don't know if it should stop i it's not like it's an easy decision oh just stop everything yeah well, this certainly didn't live up to it's simple, really. <laughs> it's not simple, really. But it's, a, it's, it's an interesting discussion because, um, well, for many reasons. So one of them being is that it's either I got older and started to become interested in subjects like this. Yeah. Or I got older and started to be more afraid, let's say. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm a glass half full kind of guy, so 
my optimism is uh, persisting, I guess. How do we get through this, my good man? I don't know. I don't know, but we will find a way. We will find a way. We always do. Or we always did. Yeah. Let's hope we do this again this time. So if anyone's listening, and I know I was the one doing most of the talking this show, and um, Greg and I talked about this before, we did not really have difference of opinions in this one. So if anyone does have a different opinion, if anyone, if every, if anyone does have an opinion that is not as bleak and actually leads us to utopia rather than dystopia, do, do give us a shout out. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next week. See you then. Bye-bye.